An example of one of Mother Nature's cruel tricks is when we found and kept a little four-inch lost kitten outside in the yard. It was absolutely the cutest little thing I ever saw in my life. When it would walk and hop around on things, you couldn't hear it because it was so light and fluffy, like a snowflake gingerly descending on the grass. But little did I know that this youthful, innocent, playful, precious, bright-eyed, loving little kitten would grow up one day into this 25-pound cat with an attitude, with a tail abnormally twice as long as its body. How strange. Who now is stubborn, pompous, snotty, disobedient, and walks around like the Queen of Shrishiba. I didn't just describe your wife, did I? But I suppose this works for human babies, too, as I contemplated the issue, as we appreciate them and want some of our own. The beauty of little babies, who then sometimes grow up into tyrants. Yes, fooled again. Now, talking of children and their parents, how parents strive to have their kids happy and content at all times, even though we know it's impossible to do, we got to be careful with that. When trouble comes to our kids, even in the smallest way, parents many times rush to rescue them and protect them and get them back smiling as soon as possible. But that's not always good to do. Because, like I heard this pastor once say, The strongest people in life are those who have a large capacity to suffer. So when suffering comes, uh, they don't run from it or panic. They endure it and deal with it knowing that one day it will pass. Because they are familiar with suffering, they know how to get through it and handle it. Because they're no strangers to it. As opposed to somebody who never learned to deal with problems and trouble in uh, on their own. Because the parents protected them from even the slightest hint of trouble and problem. So just keep that in the back of your mind. That the strongest people have a big capacity to suffer. I thought that was an interesting observation. That's why I'm always concerned about people who've had nothing but success in their lives from a little child on where everything seems to go their way in every way, because one day it won't. That's just the way life is. And when things go sideways, you have to have a resilience to yourself that stems from and rooted in God Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible. I was uh, cutting hedges the other day. And you can always tell when I do because I end up with poison ivy and bug bites all over my forearms. And I can't tell the difference because they both itch like crazy. And they're both red and bubbly. Ah, what a mess it is. And then my forearms actually swell up. It looks like I have Popeye arms, which leads me to think that The spinach had nothing to do with those big arms of his. He was just cutting hedges. It wasn't steroids. It was uh, the poison. Do you get poison? Can you identify with my problem at hand? Hey, I got an idea. Let's just wear long sleeves when cutting. Not too hard to figure out. Hey, here's a little something-something. A uh, truthful man is happily confined to the truth and nothing else. But a liar delights in the attempt to create any reality he chooses. And that's the attractability a liar sees. A liar is simply telling you that he does not like his life, that he's not satisfied with it, that he is ashamed of what his real life consists of. So what does he do? He constructs this web of lies to shield himself and others from the truth. He pretends to be somebody he's not. He pretends to be this person who is nothing like himself. And he continues to do this until one day he looks in the mirror and says, What am I doing? I'm nothing but a fraud. And apparently a very good one because many people think I'm so great 
when in reality, I'm not. So now he has a choice. Does he stop and start telling the truth for his own sanity? Or does he continue to pretend to be this fake person in order to be accepted by others? Well, if he's godless, he can lie indefinitely. But if he's a Christian, he knows for a fact that he's got to stop with the lies. That he's got to take the mask off, for better or worse. Because he got to be himself for who he is. For the good and the bad. And if people drop off as friends, then so be it. Let's not apologize for being ourselves as we follow in Jesus' footsteps. Because God don't make garbage. Now, he doesn't make perfect people either, but he don't make garbage. How could he? As we return to his image and likeness more and more over time. Hey, a while back, we talked about the Samaritan woman going to the well for water who happened to meet Jesus there. And I made the mistake of saying that the woman asked Jesus for a cup of water. But it was the other way around. Jesus first asked her for a drink of water. Then he said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for water. And I would then have given you spiritual living water, leading you to eternal life. Because Jesus is definitely our leader. And if it wasn't for him, we'd be lost out to sea forever. Because on our own, we're not looking for a God to tell us what to do. Now, our human nature is telling us that we're the boss, and by no means are we going to lower ourselves as some kind of slave listening to somebody else. But since God draws us and Jesus leads us, we eventually see a glimmer of hope and truth as we hopefully take the bait after a while and and say, hey, what is this? Where to and why is God drawing me? And where is Jesus leading me? And is this something that I should be interested in for my own sake and the sake of my loved ones? Because again, if God and Jesus don't come to us first, then we'll never go to we'll never go to them. So thank God that God and Jesus are giving us a chance by essentially making the first move to open our eyes to the truth. So by all means, let's ask Jesus for that drink. Because, as he said, the water I give you will make you thirst no more. As, obviously, he's talking spiritually and not physically. Like being born again? You're not physically coming out of your mother's womb again, right? It's a spiritual rebirth. Now, a confused Nicodemus asked Jesus at that time, How can a man be born when he is old? Was he actually thinking a grown man was going to come out of his mother's womb again? Can you imagine the stretch marks and the 30 epidermal shots you'd, uh, you'd have to get? And you know the car seat would be a waste of money, right? So hopefully in time, we all turn to God and become born again by submitting to him as we love him by obeying his commandments, statutes, and doctrines. And as we do that, we work for consistency, just like an athlete. Anybody could have one great game, but can you have four out of five great games? Because consistency is what the coach is after. He don't want some fly-by-night athlete who comes and goes like the wind because you don't know what you're getting. Is the great player going to show up or is the mediocre player going to show up? Coach needs to know as soon as possible. Because if you're not very good, then you're going to be picking splinters out of your butt from sitting on the bench. So let's all strive to be consistent Christians, not being blown blown around by the wind in whatever direction it happens to be gusting. We need to stand our ground and be steadfast no matter what the circumstances are around us. What if God was inconsistent? Sometimes loving us and sometimes not. Sometimes helping us and sometimes deliberately hurting us for no reason? Would you like God to do that? I don't think so. As, as you get to heaven feeling good about your obedience to God, only for him to turn to you and say, Oh, you know, I was only kidding. You could have drunk and got drunk anytime you wanted. 
You could have chased those women every weekend. You could have stolen that money when nobody would have known it was you. Now, what if God said all that? The whole thing would be a farce. Thank God, God is consistent. He's never going to change or turn on you or switch around the rules. No, his love is everlasting and he will never forsake or abandon us. We need to know that and live accordingly. Martha, Martha, give me my toupee and out of your dumb cat's mouth before she starts humping it. Animals don't belong in the house, I always say. Well, hi, my name is Fred, loyal listener of the show, and I'm here to say we need more people to speak out on God's behalf. Like, don't bring up God. During Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 on WAB, we can't be scared to defend Jesus. We are God's witnesses on earth. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me for a moment. Martha, Martha, where are you? I asked you an hour ago to get me my teeth. I need my choppers. Where are my choppers? Okay, I'm back. Where was I? Oh, yeah. If you believe in God of the Bible, then speak up. Scrape from the rooftops so Satan and all his demons will shake. And in the meantime, call Robert and don't bring up God live. 610-720-7900. Yeah, we are taking calls today at 610-720-7900. Yeah, yeah. Come on in. Give us a call. Hey, what's with this stem cell research stuff? The stem cell treatment that seems to be going on throughout the world for at least the wealthy who can get their hands on it and afford it. Apparently, the stem cells can regenerate the body and repair absolutely anything. And they don't have to be extracted from a baby. They could actually be pulled out of your own body fat where they take these stem cells out and then inject it back into the inflamed and hurt area like your knees or maybe your back. Once this is done, the pain is almost instantaneously gone, after which time the actual healing and regeneration of body tissue takes place. So essentially, the body is healing itself with its own materials, whether it takes weeks, months, or even a year or two to become as good as new. Now, sometimes when you're older, the stem cells are not being produced as much within your body. So what they can do is reactivate the creation of stem cells to the point you yourself manufacture as much as you need. Man, this is all pretty amazing, if true. More and more, the last couple of years, I hear it being very effective. So who knows? I also heard that stem cells can repair damaged nerves. And if that's the case, how does that affect paralyzed people? Huh. So, I think it's pretty obvious by now that governments have decided to get rid of or decrease their existing populations in lieu of a different foreign population to come in as they are still doing in Europe and the United States, pretty much out with the old and in with the new for whatever reason, realize that this moving and shuffling of population is nothing new. The Babylonian Empire did it when they conquered Judah. They pulled out and exiled Judeans out of Judah into their own kingdom. And like Operation Paperclip that the United States conducted after World War II with Germany, the Babylonian kingdom did the same thing 2,500 years ago, where they siphoned off the more intelligent, gifted people to work for them, to be their servants and slaves, to, to utilize them now for their own advantages. So once again, as Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Now, after 70 years, Cyrus and the Persians, who now became the ruling empire after defeating the Babylonians, allowed the Judeans to go back to Judah if they wanted to. Now, those who did return realized that there were now other people living in their land. You see, rulers have found out that there's less rebellion and more acceptance of a conquered people where there's less unity when the indigenous people becomes diluted. In their eyes, it's a good thing. Just as I said, the United States is doing now with the immigrants being allowed free access. It's the same principle. And you know what I can't stand anymore? When there's a natural disaster like earthquakes, hurricanes, or tsunamis. 
I didn't say salamis. I said tsunamis. Although getting hit with thousands of salamis from the sky wouldn't be all that bad. Mix all of them with some ham and cheese, mayonnaise, and a hoagie bun. You'd be set for 10 years. But people still blame God with natural disasters. Why do they do that? Because if you read in the book of Job, it's very clear that Satan controlled lightning and the wind. And if he can do that, who's to say he's not doing all the other stuff that kills tens of thousands of people at a clip? We need to keep in mind that sin is behind the miseries of the world. And how does sin come about, you may ask? Well, by our bent, sinful human nature and by the temptations and power of Satan. That's why in the kingdom that Jesus will set up at the end of time, we'll have no catastrophes of any kind, including illness, because there will be no more Satan or sin. As Satan in the book of Job slapped Job with uh, some kind of disease causing boils from head to toe, where he became unrecognizable to his friends. So understand that Satan is active in doing his best to harm and kill us, as God is doing the exact opposite by being active to help save and rescue us at all times. Man, the weather. It's so dynamic as it can work for us or against us. Like when you see it raining horizontally, you know you got a problem on your hands when some kind of fierce storm is upon you, when there's a yellowish, greenish color in the sky, and then all of a sudden a little streak of cloud comes down vertically, which eventually forms into a cone, into a bad attitude tornado. Yeah, it can be vicious, and you better be indoors when it hits. You don't want to be like Dorothy yelling, Auntie M, Auntie M. With the witch chasing you. Yeah, that green bitch witch scared my young kids a little bit more than I expected. Felt a little guilty about that years ago. I was reflecting on the decades of my life the other day, as some of us do. And I'm looking at the age of 60s, saying that it might be the best time of my life personally. Being tighter with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Having a calmer, more confident disposition. As I can handle things so much better now compared to 10, 20, 30 years ago. But as I was patting myself on the back, I asked myself, what am I doing? Who am I to be declaring victory over life? Because you know what? Under closer inspection... I'm as weak as I've, as I've ever been, even more so. Remember that biblical verse, in weakness, power reaches perfect, perfection? Well, it's true. The weaker we get, the more power from God that comes in us and through us. It's not that my 60s are so much better because of the changes I made. No, it's not that at all. It's what God has set up for me. It's what God blessed me with is strictly God's love, forgiveness, mercy, and grace that has made my life so much more manageable. You have no idea how I wish I was this way 5, 10, 20, 40 years ago. I am definitely not the same man today that I was in years past, and that's a good thing. But, but let's not make the mistake that it's our doing. It's our maneuvering that makes this life so much better because we have nothing to do with it. We really don't. When Jesus left this planet, he told the apostles that I go to prepare a place for you. And it's the same principle in what God and Jesus do for us down here on earth. Because I truly believe that God goes ahead of me before I get there. In everything that I do. And he prepares a place for me. And a specific plan for my life in that specific time. It's a beautiful thing. And the Bible attests to all this that I'm saying the Bible talks about how God has a special plan for our lives, for everybody. A purposeful, perfect, prepared, powerful, promised plan. And I see it in my own life and in others. So let's continue to take advantage of, of God's promises. There's thousands of them, and they're all designed to help save and rescue us through this life down here on earth 
to get us into paradise in the new heavens and the new earth with our glorified body. It truly is a beautiful thing. Yeah. You got to tap into it for sure. I want to remind everybody that we are taking calls today at 610-720-7900. We haven't been the last, I think, three out of the four weeks. I'm not sure. But yeah, this the, today we are 610-720-7900. And you newcomers are welcome to call. Anybody with something on your mind, especially the new blood. Hey, did you ever give a testimony? I don't mean the lying ones people offer up in court where your nose can grow two feet and nobody really cares. Where just because you raise your hand and put the other on the Bible, you're telling the truth. That's like a get out of jail free card. How can that hold any weight when people know nothing about God and even less about the Bible? What a joke that is. Do you swear to tell the truth? Nothing but the truth, so help you God. People are laughing as they say it. Yeah, yeah, of course I do. No problem, pal. I got you covered. Nothing but true honesty out of my mouth. That will be the day. So I'm not talking about that kind of testimony, but rather those in your life that prove the existence of uh, the existence and love of God, that demonstrate his presence on earth. You know, people need to hear these, and most of us have them which we need to tell others for their benefit and our own, as we remind everybody of God's power, past, present, and future. Jesus reprimanded the people of the day for forgetting the past miracles that he performed and always looking for a sign in the present. Well, if you remember all those that he did in the past, you wouldn't need any in the present and future. Jesus said that the disbelievers are always looking for a sign, But Jesus said, no, you're not getting a sign. You're not getting anything. Just get a grip on what already has happened and hold on to it. If testimonies of God's presence and miracles occur in the future, then great. But never put God to the test and demand for him to to prove his power because that's never going to happen. He's no flunky employee that has to bow down to your every command. He's no desperate teenager willing to do anything to get a date for the prom. Let's keep it all in perspective here. The Bible is one huge, giant testimony of the power and love of God. And if you take the time to read it, you will be impressed. The best way to spread the love to family and friends and to support Don't Bring Up God is to go to pavlinskypoems.com. We have the most beautiful 8x10 frameable cards available for mom dad son daughter sister friend girlfriend boyfriend or spouse perfect for birthdays anniversaries any special occasion or just because you can get the 8x10 frameable cards separately or on plaques whatever you decide so go to pavlinskypoems.com that's p-a-v-l-i-n-s-k-y-p-o-e-m-s.com Thank you. This is Don't Bring Up God. We're here every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 on the great WAEB 790 AM. If you want to buzz and get involved in the conversation, the phone number, as you know by now, you should have it written down for sure. 610-720-7900. And to get anything out of the Bible at all, you first have to be a humble man. Don't think you're going to get something out of it by being arrogant and pompous because your ego, vanity, and pride will bounce back any instruction you may get from God through the Bible. You're just not going to accept it because you're still operating with your own human mentality. You're limiting yourself to your own intelligence and judgment, which leaves you at a disadvantage because... If you don't open yourself up to the spiritual side of life, then you're out in the cold, clueless, with the only real true friends that you have, ego, vanity, and pride. You heard that expression, pride goeth before the fall? Because your pride is so 
gigantic, no goodness or goodwill can get by it. It's like a six foot six, three hundred sixty pound offensive tackle blocking a two hundred fifty pound defensive end. He's never gonna get through unless he has a stun gun handy. So if you're not humble enough to have an open mind when reading the Bible, it will amount to nothing. The only thing you'll get out of it is more evidence on why you should never open it up again. Because you have no spiritual connection to God. Everything you read, you're going to doubt or outright disbelieve and probably not understand most of it. Because all you have is your mental capabilities, your own reasoning power, along with your emotions, which you use to navigate through life. You see, we should all have a spiritual, mental, and emotional compass. The spiritual should be the lead taking preference over the other two. Because as we know, the mental and emotional aspects of us change constantly. Whereas the spiritual always remains the same. Man, if you, if you just live by your emotions and what feels good at the moment and what makes you happy or sad at the moment, then you are a slave to that moment, that fleeting moment that controls you with a huge smile on your face one minute and a sad, depressing frown the next. That's no way to live. Your constant ups and downs will drive you crazy. That's why, once again, we need a spiritual side, which is our communication and connection with God. And the primary way to obtain it is to read the Bible. There's no getting around it. That's just the way it has to be. Have you ever asked yourself why you believe in Jesus? Why do you? Is it just for self-preservation? Is it just because you feel you have to? Is it just because you don't want to go to hell? Is it just you playing it safe? Or you covering all the bases just in case? Although these reasons are not necessarily bad, I do think we're missing the point if that's all we have. Because God is love. God is all about love. And we as devout Christians, sincere Christians, should get to the point where you want to love him back. It should be the main purpose and reason why we believe in Jesus in the first place. After realizing all he has done for us, we want to do as much for him back as possible. If we are truly sorry and remorseful for our past sinful behavior, then we should want to behave in a way to make us as pleasing to the Lord as possible. And as you get closer and closer to God, you just you, you realize just how uh, sinful you were. The sins of the past are now clearly revealed to you, since the veil over our eyes is now lifted, making us able to see. Remember when Jesus cured the blind, right? He also was curing the spiritually blind. And when we become closer to God, we actually become a friend to God, to the point where we don't behave looking for praise from people anymore. We look forward to the praise that God will give us at the end of time, where you want God and Jesus to be proud of you, as you were the good servant, witness, and ambassador to the best of your ability. So we become a great friend, as it talks about in John chapter 15. It's similar to parents and kids. You know, growing up, the parents are instructing much of the time trying to show the kids the light and, and how to be a reasonable, helpful human being that believes in God. But once they get older, in their 30s, 40s, and, and older even, it the, the relationship changes. You're no longer instructing. I mean, from time to time you might, but they may instruct you back. The friendship, or the friendship is what you now have rather than a parent-son-or-daughter relationship. It's a friendship. You're friends. And that's the same thing with God. You get to the point where you're on board with God 100%. You're closer to the end product that, that everybody was working towards. And you're on board. You don't have to fight and argue and debate 
you're with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and you become more like friends. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, John chapter 15, it's in there somewhere. Now, in the Bible, many times stories speak about two events at the same time. Like in our younger days, when we might be with a group of girls, with scores with scores ranging from threes to nines, while all along you yourself might be a six at best. But regardless, you're making the move on two or more girls at the same time, trying to present yourself in the best light possible. And whoever happens to take the bait would be that girl you would then pursue, right? Like fishing. You're throwing in your baited hook, right? You see what I'm saying here? Now, the Bible speaks about two events at the same time when describing the disaster and destruction of Jerusalem and surrounding areas in Judah by the Babylonian kingdom. But it's also at the same time talking about the disaster and destruction that will come upon the rebellious non-believers at the end of times. Speaking of the coming terror at present and in the future on the day of the Lord. Let's see how these descriptions a thousand thousands of years ago applies to today, shall we? The book says back then, talking about the circumstances of the day, I will unleash my anger against you and judge you according to your conduct and lay upon you the consequences of your abominations. I will not look upon you with pity nor have mercy. Man, did you hear all that? That's quite a mouthful, talking about the abominations of the day. Oh, no, there's no abominations at the present moment in 2023. Oh, no, everything's hunky-dory. Now, there's abominations like it was back then, and it's even more so now. And there will be consequences. So these verses back then, thousands of years ago, apply directly today. Here's another. Thus says the Lord God. Disaster upon disaster, see it coming. An end is coming. The end is coming upon you. See it coming. I mean, how many more times do you want him to repeat himself? The end is coming. And in every generation, that was the mode that people were in, for the most part, especially Christians. Because it did seem like the end was coming since the beginning of time. That's the mode we're supposed to be in, so we prepare ourselves for the end, for Jesus' coming. And one day, we'll be right. Like now, I think. I, I think that I think we may see it in our lifetime, the very end, Jesus coming. So, that's the mentality we need to have. Are you prepared if the, end, if the world ends in two minutes, right after this show tonight? Are you? Here's another, here's another quote back then from the Bible. Uh, Lawlessness is in full bloom. Insolence flourishes. Violence has risen to support wickedness. Yeah, lawlessness. Oh, that doesn't apply today. <laughs> wickedness. No, there's no wickedness around. Man, we should be heeding these warnings. Here's another. Prophetic vision shall fade. Instruction shall be lacking to the priest. And counsel to the elders, while the prince shall be enveloped in terror, and the hands of the common people shall tremble. Enveloped, or, and, is that, there's another way to say that. Enveloped. Is it enveloped or enveloped? It might be an enveloped. That sounds a little bit smoother and cooler. But the instruction shall be lacking to the priests. And we see that today, as priests and pastors and evangelists and Whoever, reverends, throw them in any title you want. Man, they stay away from the controversial topics of the day because they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want somebody walking out of their church mad, thinking that they have to do some changes to their personal lives, thinking that they're not as great as they thought they were because you know why? They won't come back and they won't put into the collection basket. So why are you going to antagonize your flock? Because you need them to survive, right? Well, maybe you don't maybe you're not supposed to survive. 
maybe they are maybe they're all supposed to disperse and if the church goes under too bad but you can't avoid the the issues of the day knock it off already i mean get in there get in the fight but if you do you'll be rem- reprimanded by your superiors and you'll know you'll no longer have health insurance and the proper coverage is that what you're more concerned about all right fine whatever Here's another verse from years ago that applied today, many years ago, thousands of years ago. I will deal with them. Let's see, where am I? I will deal with them according to their conduct and according to their judgments, I will judge them. Thus, they shall know that I am the Lord. Yeah, if you're judged according to your conduct strictly, you're finished. You won't survive. No. Uh, heaven won't be your landing spot. It just won't. I mean, it's the belief that separates you from a non-believer. That's the key right there. And we all will be judged. Don't think that we won't. Here's something to remember when deciding to go God's way or Satan's. Uh, these three verses, yeah, they, they, uh, they work together. Seek first God's kingship over you, and all things will be given to you in turn. Those who seek to gain their life will lose it, but those who lose their life for my sake will gain it. What good is it for you to gain the whole world and lose your soul in the process? Yeah, those three quotes go together. Like apple pie, whipped cream, and chocolate ice cream. Mm-mm, good. Wouldn't you just like to fill up a swimming pool full of that stuff and dive in? I know I would. Okay. Uh, podcast. Let me remind you to podcast. Don't bring up podcast. All you got to do is search. Don't bring up podcast. Very simple. Or you can actually go to pavlinskypoems.com. There's a link there for the, for the podcast also. If you want to give a buzz, the number is 610-720-7900. Tired of buying cars for people on special occasions to just be thrown away? Get an 8x10 frameable card that lasts forever, as you can frame it, or they can frame it, putting it up in their living room or bedroom that hangs forever. Go to pavlinskypoems.com, where you have a choice of getting the 8x10 frameable card separately or already on a plaque. And thank you, because the more you spread the love to your loved ones, the more you support this Don't Bring Up God radio show. So that's pavlinskypoems.com. Yeah, this is Don't Bring Up God. My name is Robert. Happy to be here. I hope you can say the same. We got a call at 610-720-7900. Who's this? Good morning, Bob. This is Will, and God bless you and all those that are listening. Hey, I want to bring up something you bring up every single week, and I don't want to hurt your feelings. I just No, I want to- you to I want you to hurt my feelings. Please feel free. Oh no, it's definitely not in that tone. I'm thinking that I remember your son, Tyler, so I just want to ask, did he go to either Parkland or Salkin Valley School District? He did not. Okay. I remember seeing these images of someone at a terminal image, and, you know, that's over 20 years ago, and I was just trying to uh, ask because I just I make a connection to you because of your wonderful show. And, uh, well, maybe just talk about him a little bit more instead of just only saying something at the end. Well, what, 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 do you, what would you like to know about my son, Tyler? He went to Northampton. What would you like to know? Oh, uh, no. I just, wow. What year was that then, too? Because I had a small stint in Northampton as well. Like I seven years ago. Seven years ago. Oh, no. Never met him. Okay. Well, I, I, you just, you know, uh, I just was trying to bless you and, and the pain you might uh, continually have, and I don't want to, you know, you know, I'm not trying to say that or hurt. I understand. I understand. I'm just messing with you. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you bringing up Tyler. I do talk about him from time to time. Uh, we've had uh, discussions on uh, drug addiction and so forth, but um, maybe I'll take you up on that. Maybe um, I will dedicate a whole show to Tyler and, and talk about him. That's not a bad idea. All right. All right. You, God bless you again. All right. You take care. Anybody else with comments of any kind, 610-720-7900.
Thanks for that call. I think he was a new 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 first time caller. Yeah. Hey, does Satan have offspring? Well, in Genesis, when talking to the devil, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offsprings and her. Not plural, just singular offspring, although it is plural, between your offspring and hers. I'll get right back to that. We got another call at 610-720-7900. Who's this? This is Mike. What's up, Mike? Uh, the bombing in Israel. Okay. Um, you know, the Bible, when Israel took over Israel, they, they invaded cities and they killed everybody. Okay. Why don't they do the same thing now? That these people in Gaza and the Golan Heights, somebody had to see something, and they did not report it to the authorities. So they're just as liable as the people that fired the rockets. Well, you talk about Israel from the very beginning. I still don't understand how Israel... Uh, Israel became to be in 1948, where the United Nations awarded the Israelites, apparently, Israel. I mean, I don't know how they make that decision. I mean, I don't know where they got the clout and the wherewithal to just declare it's now Israel, and all the Palestinians and Arabs got to move out of their own houses, literally. I, I never understood that from the beginning. Okay, well, let's try this. The Israel, Israel, the Jews were persecuted in in their home countries in Europe and around the world. And why was that? Why was that? Because of Hitler. I mean, some people say it's because they're Jews and because of their faith and so forth. From what I've read, it has nothing to do with what they believed in. Nobody cared about what God they believed in. It was more their conduct. And also, you bring up Germany and so forth. Uh, again, uh, the, the, the uh, Jews left or exiled out of Russia when things were getting tight. And Germany welcomed them, them and helped them tremendously. Before Hitler. Before Hitler. Okay. Uh, and then, okay. Uh, and then um, I hear, uh, I read some stories uh, about uh, the Jewish people turning on the Germans who helped them initially. So it gets convoluted. I, I, I don't pretend no. to be an expert. Well, it's, it's look, the, the Germans, if you, in, the, in the history, there was, I forget his name, he was very good uh, commando, uh, special forces for Germany. He escaped to Palestine. And he is the, the reason that now we have Hamas and all those other, those, well, all those Muslims. I mean, oh, Mohammed was nothing until he got larger and had an army. Then he started killing everybody that wasn't a Muslim. And that is what this is all about. It's plain and simple. It's not difficult to understand. So what do you think this is, what, what do you think is going to come of this bombing? What? I mean, it's. I hope it's not another false flag to induce another war. Oh well, look, we got we got a leader in our country that's incapable. We got we get we're spending billions where we shouldn't over in uh, in Ukraine. We I was stationed in Taiwan. You know, the the we I was so disappointed when Nixon went over there in '72. I mean, I said I could see the writing on the ball for on the wall for years. They knew that the, the commies over in China would take advantage, get the power, get the money, and then put it all into the military. Before Nixon went to China, Mao was about to collapse, and he gave Mao a boost. And, and this whole thing, I don't know, maybe we're going to Armageddon. I really don't know. But if I were in charge of Israel, I would just flatten the Golan Heights and flatten the Gaza Strip, just... Because somebody there had to know that was not connected with the actual insurgents that that the, this was going to happen. They, you can't get that much 
these hardware into a, a small country like uh, area like that and not have the civilians know. Well, I can understand That's- your point of view. I can understand what you're saying. But to me, looking at past history, I see governments playing their people and lying to us. And I kind of think that we really don't know what really goes on unless you're on the inside. Because we're on the outside trying to piece everything together on what they're telling us is real. And I'm very, I hold it very suspect of the things I hear, especially when it comes to wartime. I guess it will play out and we'll all see in good time. Yes, sir. Um, thanks for taking my call. But it, the, you take a look at the history. I, he's the one that, that the, the, the guy that rescued Mussolini. Hitler had Mussolini rescued before, you know, and brought him back to Germany. And then he went back to Italy and got, you know, killed. But the, the same guy that did that went to Israel or went to Palestine after the war. Okay. And he's the he's he, I can't think of his name. But he's the one that in, that instructed them on how to do guerrilla warfare, and and the whole thing is religious, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen either. And I, I I feel bad for the people in Gaza, but they had to know that 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 something was going on. Some civilians had to know somewhere, and if they didn't want a war, they should have spoken up. And well, you I say religious people use religion. As a weapon, sometimes they manipulate it for nefarious reasons, unfortunately, throughout history. Like I said, we'll see. Hey, thank you for all the informa- information. Oh, you're welcome, and thank you for your show. I, 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 WAB never has anything decent on Sunday except you. Thank you very much, sir. All right, take care. We got another okay, call. Bye-bye. We got, we, no, we don't, have, we don't have another call. I guess we don't. All right. Okay. All right, we have a call now. At uh, 610-720-7900. Yeah, interesting uh, dialogue just then. Don't know all the facts. I, I'm the first to admit that. Okay, who's this? Hey, morning, it's Joe. What's happening? Yeah, so <clears throat> you mentioned uh, earlier in the show about, you know, the invasion and all that. And obviously God is sovereign, allowing it. There's a principle in the Old Testament and New Testament Whenever a people, group, nation turn their back against God, um, he allows their enemies to come in or for that nation to go in act to captivity. Ezekiel 39. It's a retribution or, yeah, of sorts. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's really done out of love and discipline to turn the people back, and basically to get them to repent, to turn back to God. So this is what's happening in America um, you know, regarding the prophecies of Israel, like what they were talking about, simply uh, God promised he would bring Israel back into their land. I mean, there's prophecies fulfilled when that happened. And you asked the question, why would the United Nations do something like that? Well, <clears throat> because God's sovereign, he knew what happened. He brought them back into their land. It's a prophecy fulfilled. Now, you know, I did hear some things, um, if you've ever heard of Jack Posobiec, um, reporting on this uh, bombing attacks and it looks like the money that's going to ukraine was used uh to fund this bombing and <laughs> i mean it's it's so perverse and sick this is what the global elites are doing so what do you think is going to come of it is it is it part of the one world order genocide of of populations is iran well, is iran going to get involved in this what 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 do you think is going to happen well, without a doubt, it's a new world order agenda, meaning they want to provoke wars, rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, which, again, is prophecies fulfilled. What, why would the enemies of God be fulfilling prophecy, right? So it just validates it. Uh, they want to cause chaos. They want to usher in their new world order, the global elites, because the new world order is the Bible prophecy of a one-world government, a one-world economy, and run religiously by Satan. That's what he wants. He wants to set up his satanic kingdom on Earth. The global elites want to usher that in. So this this turbulence only uh, is going to facilitate the coming of Jesus? 
Well, yeah, in in the bigger picture, because God's sovereign, yes. They the global elites think they're winning, causing chaos. They think Satan is is going to be in control and empower them, and so forth and so on. But as we see, you know, he'll have a little bit of role in the Book of Revelation. But then there's coming a day when they're all going to be destroyed. Jesus will step on Earth, destroy them all, cast them into hell in the lake of fire forever. Is that, yeah, Neten, is that Netanyahu still involved? I thought they voted him out of office. He's still involved in all this. Yeah, as far as I know, yeah, he does not look like a good guy. I don't um, trust that dude. He's a, part, he's a part of it. So the key is repent towards God, repentance of sin, put your faith in Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior. Like you said, we don't know how all this is going to play out. We just know how that ending of the book happens, God wins. So make sure you're on his side. Repent of sin, put your faith in Jesus as Lord, God, and Savior, and trust in what he did on the cross. That pays for all our sins. That guarantees us eternal life. So give more effort in reading the Bible and getting closer to God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, as opposed to going haywire, looking at the news and trying to figure out everything that you're never going to be able to figure out. Thanks yeah, for the yeah, call, Joe. Thanks for the call. Gonna die either. So. Thank you for the call. All roads lead back to God. Tyler, we love you. We'll see you again. Let me in. Listen on your free iHeartRadio app for all your music, radio, and podcasts.